following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. Over the past several weeks, it has become increasingly obvious and evident, of course, I knew this to begin with, but I didn't know it was this far out of hand that my wife really, 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 really loves to decorate. (laughs) I think I have yet to discover the last box that is labeled Christmas decorations. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's gotten out of hand. I think she even realizes now that we got way too many ornaments and Christmas decorations. Some of them are keepsakes, uh, some of them have been handed down, some of them are just stuff that she picked up because it was a good deal. Ladies, how many of you, when you see the word clearance, is that like saying sick them to a bulldog or what? I mean, whether you need it or not, it's a good deal, right? We have unloaded so many boxes of Christmas stuff, and the purpose behind it is it, it, it's, it's an honest uh, excuse, if you want to call it that. She wants to make her home feel like a place where you are invited. She wants to create an atmosphere to where you would want to stay and visit. So many cases, uh, I've run across many like this. Uh, You'll see a sign that says this. It says, welcome. When you walk up to our front door, uh, you'll see one, possibly more than one. Uh, it just has this one simple word. And we want visitors, we want guests to know that when they come into our home, that it is a welcome place for them to come and stay, drink coffee, maybe have a meal, or just visit, whatever the case may be. We want to know that our home is a place where uh, people are welcome. This church, this facility that we're at, Over in the offices, there's a sign, not quite this large, but it it has the same word on it, welcome. When people come into all, even if if it's a delivery person that's coming in, we want them to know that they are welcome in this facility. As soon as you walk into the foyer, we have a, a large banner out there that says, welcome. We are so glad that you are here. And so all throughout our house, uh, we have those signs posted. Uh, we have places where we want people to come in and make themselves feel at home. But there are some places that are, uh, you know, we, we don't want you going. They're off boundaries to visitors. There's places where only I will go. So uh, in, in those places, we have signs like this. Keep out. <laughs> I don't want you here. I, I, I want you coming in my house, but in my shop, uh-uh, don't come in my shop. There's stuff in there that will hurt you. If you move the wrong thing out of my shop, that's my place. It's going to fall on you. You don't know how it works. You don't know what it's used for. In our backyard, we have two pets. So I have one of these. (laughs) Beware of dog. Only for a few minutes because once they get to know you, they're your friends. But if something accidental were to occur, I've got to have my property properly marked to protect not only the person that may be wandering in there, but to protect myself uh, from any legal actions as well. So as I began thinking about that this week, as I began thinking about uh, what we've learned over the past few weeks over how to have a stable life, I began thinking, you know, I, li- I deal with a lot of people from time to time who have issues. We all have issues. 
But the sad part about it is most of those issues that come into a person's life that are harmful, they've had signs that say, you know what? I'm going to let this into my life. They haven't properly marked the limitations of their life. They haven't properly set the boundaries in their life for things where issues shouldn't be welcome. They've opened the door for harm to come into their lives. They've allowed themselves to succumb to temptation or tempting um, situations to where they know, hey, I should have posted this a long time ago. Now, I've used my wife in this illustration. I'm going to use myself at the end of the story, at the end of the sermon, uh, to, to talk about an area where I should have set some limitations or put up some proper boundaries. What about Jesus? Was he ever tempted? Were there ever any places where he said, you know, I've got to set some boundaries. I've got to set some limitations. And I think it was Clint Eastwood in one of his movies, a saying that he's known for. If you're a movie buff, you'll know exactly what movie is at the end of the show. He said, you know what? A man's got to know his limitations. And even as Christians, that's where we stand. We got to know, hey, what is my limitation on this area? Where is there an area or an issue in my life or in today's culture that I should not go in? Because if I go there, I know that I'm going to be tempted beyond what I'm capable of handling at this moment. And so when Jesus began his earthly ministry, he fasted for 40 days in the wilderness alone by himself to be alone with the Lord, to prepare himself to step out into his earthly ministry. And as soon as that 40 days of fasting had concluded, immediately Satan came to him and pushed him to the limits in some areas. And what we're going to learn today is for you to have a stable life, for you to have a life to where you know you're in the right place at the right time and you know what your limitations are, you've set the proper boundaries. There's three main areas that we're going to look at that will help you to have a stable life. Now we're going to start off in the book of Hebrews chapter 4. So if you want to open there and read along, let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. Because here's the thing. I want you to know this before we get started. Everything that you face in your life, whether it's a temptation, whether it's a physical struggle, where it's a hunger, an emotional struggle, a spiritual struggle, according to the Word of God, anything and everything that you have experienced in your life Jesus can relate to. Why is that? Because he's already been through it. And that's how he's able to help us so much with the problems that we go through. So according to Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, it says this. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession." Now listen real close to verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted or tested as we are, yet without sin. Somebody should be shouting hallelujah over that. Because everything that you've been through, every temptation, every test, Every trial, every struggle that you go through or will go through, Jesus has already been through. So he can empathize. 
He can sympathize. He can relate to it. And he can help you with that problem because he says, you know what? I've been through it before. Yet I didn't succumb to it. I didn't fall into sin because he couldn't fall into sin. And verse 16 is the key to our uh, theme for our revival coming up. We need you, God. That is going to be the key, the theme to our revival, and it's based off of Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Because now we know where we can find help at. Jesus has already been through it. I can go to his throne of grace with my problem, with my issue, with my temptation. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How many of you right now need help with an issue in your life? Raise your hand. Okay. Here's where we're going to find it at right here. You come boldly to the throne of grace and you bring that issue, you bring that struggle, you bring that temptation, that trial, whatever it is, any area that you want to mark as a place where you want to keep out of, you bring that to the Lord. And it says right here, according to the word of God, you will find help in your time of need. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. And God, I thank you for what you're wanting to do in this moment. God, I believe that what happens today is a huge part in preparation for what we want to experience during our time of revival here in a few weeks. Lord, revival begins right now. Revival begins on a personal level. Revival begins with me bringing my issues to you and getting right with my life from this moment on. And then going out and sharing with others a place where they can find help with their issues and with their struggles and with their needs. And as we explore the temptations that Jesus himself went through this morning, Lord God, reveal to us exactly what it is that we need to take care of if we haven't taken care of it yet. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Knowing your limitations. A very, very important part of having a stable life. Francis de Sales said this. He said, those who do not mean to entertain guests should take down the signboard. So what we're going to talk about today is issues or areas in our lives, three main ones, where we've posted a sign like this. We've invited the enemy to come in. We've allowed him to tempt us to a place that's going to push the envelope. And instead of putting the sign up like this, we have invited the issue in. And we've allowed the enemy to come into an area that should have been originally marked with a keep out sign. And so Jesus, when he was at his weakest point physically, after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, Satan came to him immediately and tempted him. We're now in the Gospel of Luke. We're continuing our study of the opening parts of Luke. We'll conclude next week with Jesus and his statement and his proclamation of his earthly ministry. And so in beginning in Luke chapter uh, 4 verse 1, it says this. It says, "In Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, 
And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. First temptation that we typically face and the first temptation that Jesus faced, uh, number one, is physical needs. There are three main paths that we typically allow temptation to lead us in, and our physical needs is one of them. Because look at what Satan does. In the moment when Jesus was his hunger, it says right here at the end of verse 2 that he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. I want you to look at the rebuttal that Jesus has. I want you to notice the keep out sign that he posts in this area. Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Satan was completely aware that Jesus had just finished his 40 days of fasting. And in that condition, Jesus' mental ability, uh, his ability to mentally process each question would have been impacted. Those of you who have been hungry before, those of you know uh, the ill effects of malnutrition, generally start with our cognitive ability to think and speak and to make wise choices. And that's exactly what Satan took advantage over. As the body goes without proper food and nutrients, the mind is the first thing that starts shutting down. It responds to not being properly nourished. The ability to think becomes increasingly difficult. However, Jesus not only knew the word of God, but Jesus was the living word of God. And he was able to take not only the first temptation, but all three of the temptations that he faced and defend himself by applying scripture. All three of the temptations, his rebuttal was based on scripture verbatim. In this first temptation, he used Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three. In the second temptation, he used Deuteronomy 6.13 and 10.20. And in the third temptation, he used Psalms chapter 9, verse 11. Now, try to tell me that the Old Testament is not relevant to our lives. The Old Testament is the Bible that Jesus used. There are some people that will say today that the Old Testament is antique history, is irrelevant, And we're not able to apply it to our lives. But each and every verse that Jesus used came directly as a quotation from the Old Testament. Jesus said, you you can hang everything that you want to on the law and the prophets. He, He quoted time and time again from the Psalms and Proverbs. He paid honor and respect to the prophets that were in the Old Testament. So here's a question for you. How much of the Bible... Do you consume on a regular basis? Jesus said, I'm not worried about bread. He said, I I can't live on bread alone. But I've got to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The Bible, right here. So to overcome each and every temptation, the physical temptation is just one of them. You've got to have a daily intake of the word of God. If the only time that you are exposed to the Word of God is right here and right now on Sunday mornings, guess what? You're spiritually malnourished. 
you're going to starve to death, and you're not going to survive in this world that is full of issues and temptations. Have you become scripturally or spiritually malnourished? Here's a quote from Lifeway, uh, one of the sources we get our Sunday school materials and a lot of our materials from. It says the number one predictor of a a person's spiritual health is the regular practice of personal Bible reading. If you were to open up your phone and go to your history of the apps that you use, would the Bible app be number one on the list or would it be some other? The books that you put by your reading area, wherever you do your study at, how many spiritual books are there? Versus how many love stories or dime novels or Louis L'Amour books that you might be reading. Those can't help you through your life. They're only there for entertainment. As a matter of fact, some of those books are garbage and need to be thrown in the trash because they play on their mind and they lead you further into temptation than anything else will. How much time do you spend in the Word of God? Physical temptation comes... In many different levels and in many different areas. It's not just food that is a physical temptation. It can be a sexual temptation. It can be a temptation to make your body a temple more than it should. You can be addictive to certain things that are meant to be good for your body, but you take it to the extreme. Is a physical temptation or a physical need one area that you are consumed in? And does the Bible apply to each and every situation in your life? How much time do you spend in the Word of God compared to other things in your life? Listen carefully to what Jesus said. He said, but every word of God. How hungry are you for the Word of God? How much do you long for it? You know, we started this Bible reading plan here at the first of the year, we, we got some chronological one-year Bibles. We might still have a few of those available. Uh, you can find a reading plan on your phone, on your Bible app. You can print one up, or you can just march right through the Bible in a year if you want to, reading it as much as possible. Spend time in the Psalms every day. Spend time in the Proverbs every day where you can get wisdom from. But the main part is, is to exercise the spiritual side of your life by reading the Word of God. Don't let yourself become mal. Because just like Jesus, when that temptation comes along, you should be able to regurgitate Scripture that applies to that situation. The more Scripture that you memorize, the more capable you're going to be of repeating that verbatim. I know what the Bible says about sexual immorality. I know what the Bible says about drunkenness. I know what the Bible says about this topic or that topic. And if you don't have a particular, I mean, if you do have a particular topic that you don't know what the Bible says about, get you a topical study Bible and it will have those uh, issues broken down one by one where you can find them at, where you can study them at. But the first temptation that Satan usually comes to is a physical temptation. That is one that leads us down a path that often results in failure and sin. The next area of temptation that Satan comes to Jesus over, and the other uh, main path that temptation usually leads us down is the area of power 
and prosperity. I know that's two words in one, but they are closely related to each other. Power and prosperity. You've read it before. You've heard me say it before. Money is not evil. The Bible says that it is the love of money that is the root of all evil. So that's the next thing that Satan tempts Jesus with. Satan knew that he was born into a poor family. He knew that he was not born into a wealthy family. I can't tempt him with a physical need. Maybe I can tempt him with power and prosperity. Picking up in verse 5, it says, Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Jesus would go on to ask this question. Later on, he was dealing with a group of people. He said this question. He said, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What should it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world yet lose his own soul? Well, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Mark chapter 9, I think, is where he stated that at. Jesus knew the power of power and prosperity and how it can influence a person and how can it can distract them away from the worship of the Lord. Satan wasn't necessarily out to make Jesus rich, wealthy, or prosperous. He was trying to get him to worship something other than the Lord. But Jesus clearly said time and time again, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and you shall worship him alone. First commandment, what does it say? Love the Lord God with all your heart. You shall have no other gods before me. Jesus would also go on in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. What did he say? He says, seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, and then all of these things shall be added unto you. He said, don't worry about food. Don't worry about clothing. Don't worry about all the things that worldly people pursue. Materialism. We live in a consumer culture today. People just want, 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 want. And they want it as soon as they can get it. They want it as fast as they can get it. That's why so many people are living in debt these days. Because they want more than they got. (laughs) And they ain't got the things that they want. I know that's bad grammar, but I think you understand clearly what I'm saying. They strive after those things that they feel like are unattainable. And they feel like the sooner that they can get them, the happier they're going to be. They're looking for joy in so many different places. We talked about that a lot in our Sunday school lesson this morning. True joy comes from worshiping the Lord and making him a top priority in your life in everything that you do. You can try to get as much power. You can try to get as much prosperity if you want to. 
But all of those things are going to leave you coming up empty time and time and time again. And when you do attain one thing and you find out that it doesn't bring any joy, you're going to leave it and you're going to pursue after something else. There was a rich young ruler that came to Jesus. He said, Lord, what must I do to attain to attain eternal life? Jesus said, that's easy. Keep the commandments. He said, I've done that. I have done that since my birth. That's no problem. I got that one covered. But Jesus knew that he was a wealthy man. He knew that he had a bunch of possessions. He said, all right, here's the real test. He said, I want you to go back, sell everything that you have, and leave that, and come follow me. You remember what happened to that young man? The Bible says that he went away exceedingly sorrowful because he had a lot of possessions. That's the way a lot of people are these days. They strive after so many things and they hold on to them so tightly that it takes away from their worship of the one and only thing that will bring them joy more than anything else will, serving the Lord with all of their heart, soul, and their mind. So not only will Satan tempt you with physical needs, he will tempt you with power and prosperity. He'll tell you to step on the little man, get as high as a ladder as you can go, get as many things as you can get, and that's going to make you happy. So Jim Elliott, the martyred missionary, had this to say about that. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Look closely at what Jesus is being offered there. Satan said, all of this, everything you see, all this authority I will give to you. For what? If you will worship me. In an instant, I can give it to you. If you'll just bow down and worship me. Turn your back on God and you will have it all. That's what the world tells you. How many people sacrifice their relationship with their creator for the things of this world? I would have to say that there's a lot, probably the majority these days. How many people are lured by the allure of material possessions and power? Money's not evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Don't let Satan tempt you with power, position, prosperity, and the corruption that this world offers. The next thing that Satan will tempt you with, the next area, the next main path that we typically allow temptation to lead us down is popularity. Popularity. If I can just get people to like me, I'm going to be happy. If I can make myself look like a movie star. We've got TV shows called American Idol. (laughs) I want to look like this person. I want to sound like this person. I want to think like this person. If I can just be something other than myself, I will become popular with more and more people. Beginning in verse 9, here's what the Bible says. Then he brought him to Jerusalem. He set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, 
lest you dash your foot against a stone. What was Satan wanting to do? He was wanting Jesus to perform a miracle right there. He said, if you'll throw yourself down and show that you come out of this unscathed and unharmed and you perform this miracle, everybody is going to like you. Everybody's going to follow you. He was playing on what would happen later on in Jesus' earthly ministry when he did walk on the water and heal the sick and heal the lame and heal the blind and perform all those miracles. And Jesus answered him and said, It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Satan was aware that the crowds would eventually flock to him because of his ability to perform miracles. And he was playing on that. And just like John the Baptist, when John the Baptist was tempted, when the crowds began began coming to John the Baptist saying, You know, are you are the Messiah? John the Baptist could have very easily said, yep, I'm him. This is the one you've been looking for. But he didn't. He played that down. He said, that's not my purpose. That's not my position. That's not what I came into this world for. And just like that, Satan began tempting Jesus to take advantage of how people would begin pursuing him because of his popularity and his promise, uh, prominence as a, a worker of miracles. The reason some people will not become a Christian is because they feel like it will make them less popular than if they were to become more like someone else in this world. And the reason some people fall into sinful habits is due to peer pressure and the desire to become popular with the majority. If I'll just do this like everybody else is doing, I'm going to be popular. Everybody's going to like me. If I don't go against the grain, if I just go with the flow, I'm going to become more popular. Did you notice that in today's Sunday school reading that part of the purification process was to separate themselves from the rest of the world, from the uncleanness of the land in order to worship the Lord? They said, you've got to remove all the filth of this world. You you can't be like everyone else and still be a devoted follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. To follow the Lord, you're going to stand out as an oddball. You're going to stand out as the odd man out. You're going to be different from everyone else. You're not out to win a popularity contest, though. I'm not up here to win a popularity contest. I'm here to preach the word of God. And some of the things that I say from this pulpit, they're not going to set well with you. (laughs) They're not going to set well with others, but I'm going to do my homework and I'm going to make sure that I'm preaching the authority, the full authority of the word of God. And sometimes it's not going to be popular with people in this town. You can bank on that. I can get, there's probably already word going around. Hey, that dude is, he's lost it. He has gone off the deep end. There's something wrong with that preacher down there at First Baptist Church. Because he's saying things that we ain't never heard before. He's talking about this crawfish cornbread and all this other junk that we've never been exposed to. But my responsibility is not to win a popularity contest. I'm not out to get citizen of the year, whatever they call it here. 
My responsibility is to be, my responsibility is to preach God's word unashamedly. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There's going to be some things that do not sit well with you. But I can guarantee you, when I get up here and I preach on a topic, I've done my homework. I have searched the scriptures from one end to the other to make sure that what I say comes out of here. And most of the times when you hear me preach, just like today, I'll take some out of the Old Testament, I'll take some out of the New Testament, and vice versa. I'm going to give you some background on it. And I'm going to try to give you something that will apply to your life and something that you could take out of this, this sanctuary today. These, these sermon outlines that I give you, they're not for you to make paper airplanes out of. I had somebody leave a paper airplane up here for me one day. <laughs> they're not for you to draw little pictures on. They're for you to take this and apply it to your life later on in the week, to do your own homework on it. To leave it out as a reminder, to go back. I remember Brother Tracy preaching on this. I think I got my, there it is right there. I I remember what he said. This is an issue that I'm going through and he told me about this. Let me do some more research on it. But I'm not here to win a popularity contest. I'm not here for people to brag on me. I've got one person and one person alone that I'm responsible to and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I truly believe that he's called me here for a message. And he's called me here to do a work. So the next thing that I want you to see, Jesus has posted the proper, he said, Satan, you're not welcome in these areas. These are some areas of my life. I know my, my, what my limitations are. I'm setting the boundaries right now. I'm establishing my earthly ministry here on this earth. He says, I am getting you out. Of these areas of my life. There's one other sign that you see around here. And I think it's one that some of you need to use in some areas of your life right here. By the, all these doors here, you'll see a sign that says exit. <laughs> when it's time to go, I want you to get out of here. I want you to know that you're not welcome here anymore. We're fixing to turn the lights off, lock the door. You can stay as praise if you want to. But when this service is over, we want you to know where the exit doors are. Or if there's an emergency, we want you to know. Here's the way out. Some of you have issues in your life right now that you need to tell exit. Say, hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back. I want you out of my life. I want you out of this area. I'm not only posted this as a keep out area, but I'm posting this as an exit door for you to get out of. Because here's what James writes in his letter. He says, if you will resist Satan, he will flee from you instead of making him welcome we need to create an atmosphere that is not welcoming for him we need to stake some boundaries in our lives and say Satan not only do I want you to keep out but here are some areas that I want you to get out of Because watch what happens at the end of this temptation When Jesus answered and said to him, it has been written, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. In verse 13, if if you haven't circled or underlined anything else, I want you to write this down. I want you to circle this, put a star by it. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him. 
Satan said, these are areas I can't touch him. I can't get to. These are some limitations in Jesus' life. And these are some places that he has clearly marked that I'm not welcome in. James chapter 4. I want you to listen to what James has to say about that. You can write down James 4, verses 7 through 10. Therefore, submit to God, which is exactly what Jesus did during this time for 40 days. Satan tempted him, and Jesus submitted to the Lord. He submitted to the authority of God's word. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When I first started, I mentioned there are some people that I've counseled and dealt with that have issues in their life that they did not resist, and they allowed Satan in, and he overtook them in those areas. James gives another answer to that. He says, not only do you resist the devil and he'll flee from you, but he says, if you will draw near to God, he will draw near to you. You know, that's what revival is all about. I hope that you've been drawing closer to the Lord in your own personal life. But revival is about a time when we as a congregation can mark some boundaries and say Satan's not allowed in these areas. I'm not going to be tempted physically. I'm not going to be uh, tempted by power and prosperity. I'm not going to be tempted by popularity. But in this time, I want to draw closer to the Lord. And here's why. Because I'm cleansing my hands. That's what James continues on to say. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Are you submitting to God? Are you resisting the devil? Have you removed anything that might be dangerous or hazardous that you know of? Something that might cause you to stumble. Something that might bring harm into your life. Last year, it was around Thanksgiving time, uh, we were planning a trip back to De Quincey during the Thanksgiving holidays, and we bought this dog kennel. We wanted to bring our pets with us. We wanted to be able to take care of them ourselves. So on this dog kennel, I wanted to build a roof over it. <laughs> we had plenty of roofing material available after hurricanes Laura and Delta. <laughs> I, I found enough scrap sheet metal to make a roof. And in that scrap sheet metal, I found this piece of probably about three-inch square metal for a frame. I put underneath it and put the uh, sheet metal on top of that to give it some support. But there was one piece hanging right down in the middle, probably about six or eight inches long. It was cut clean at the end. It had four sharp corners on it. And I remember saying to myself when I constructed that, that needs to go or I'm going to hit my head on it because this comes about eye level. And sure enough, in the process of time, in a year's time, I walked through there and kind of bumped my head on it a couple of times. And I kept reminding myself, I need to get that out. It's harmful. I'm going to get hurt. My father-in-law even hit his head on it a couple of times. He didn't take it off. Friday, I was over there. I had some 12 by 12 concrete pads that I was wanting to lay down to make a floor in it. He was handing me the concrete pads, and I was inside. I was putting them down. And I'd already bumped my head into that piece of tubing one time. I said, I need to watch it. I need to watch it. But I was in a hurry. The danger was still there and the hazard was still there. You know what? 
I forgot about it again. I took a couple more pads and laid them down. And I remember laying one down, and as soon as I did, I came up. And when I did, I came up underneath that, and one of those corners caught me right on the top of the head. I saw stars. I saw moons. I saw galaxies. I saw things that I had never seen before. I began speaking in tongues. And I look up, and the first thing I see is my father-in-law standing there <laughs> trying to hold it in as best as he could. He said, did that hurt? I said, you probably heard how much it hurt. And before I knew it, there was a steady pool of fresh, warm blood <laughs> dripping down off my nose. All because I didn't take the time to remove something that I knew would eventually cause harm to myself or someone else. That's exactly where we are in our temptations in our lives. We don't stop and slow down long enough to take the necessary precautions. We don't slow down long enough to signs and say, you know what, this is an area that I need to stay out of. Instead, we just leave it open and is welcome as much as possible for harm to come, for Satan to come into our lives. I'm fixing to throw the camera person off a little bit because I'm coming down off the stage. I don't know if they're ready for that or not. There's one more sign that we need to stake as a church. Virgil, would you mind come helping me with this for just a moment? And a lot of what I've talked about goes into this last and final sign. Take that and roll it out. This sign will be going up around our church here in a few days. Folks, if we really want to have revival, there are some issues in our lives that we need to take care of. There are some boundaries that we need to set, and there are some places in our lives where we need to tell Satan, get out. Hit the road, Jack. I'm claiming this as private property. I'm claiming this as an area that I don't want you in because I want to see revival in my life, in my family, and in my community. And today, from this day forward, you're not welcome in my church, in my life, and in this area that I've been struggling with, we're not going to have this fight anymore because I'm not going there anymore and you're not allowed there anymore. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.